0: Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all
1: things violent. Hey, what is going on guys? Thanks so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 174. At the end of the episode, we will play three more chapters from trying to die in the pandemic after. After these chapters, we only have another three. So one more episode and we will be finished. This week, I was supposed to have Caitlin Marceau on. I was really looking forward to that. But then I had to cancel at the last minute because of an accident that my dad had. He had a bike accident. So that was a bummer. But Caitlin will be on in two weeks. Next week, I will have on my friend A.E. Santana. I will have her read one of her short stories. Looking forward to that conversation. So definitely check that out. But now, yeah, let's get to the week. So things have been going really great. I set my goals. I like having small goals, daily goals, weekly goals, whatever. But then I had one for my birthday. Originally, it was going to be weight-related and body fat, all that kind of stuff. And I realized, like I don't give a shit about that. Like, that's, I do in a way, but not enough to where I was actually going to make the changes to get to where... I would ideally like to be, and I'm just getting better with being where I'm at, being cool with where I'm at. I'm really, like, I feel very fortunate to be where I'm at now at 50, like, I'll be 50 next Friday. Oh, and today is my brother's birthday, so happy birthday, Steve. He just turned 45. Yeah, awesome, awesome dude. He lives in Texas now. It sucks. Well, not that he lives in Texas, but I don't see him very often. Anyhow, happy birthday, Steve. So hopefully he hit whatever goals he wanted. I know he's been doing tons and tons of awesome stuff, uh, which is really cool. One of my goals that I was working on that I still plan on hitting was to finish Try Not to Die in the Wild West. At least this next pass. I want to be able to give it to John Palestano, Be like, here, just fill out whatever you like here. Make sure it's all cool. Then we will do one quick pass. And But for now, I want to have the, all these death scenes pretty much Done. I want most of these things done, all worked out, just to get it to them. I felt like I've been taking way too long. I was really kicking myself in the ass on Monday. It was either Monday or Sunday. Just getting on myself. Actually, kind of getting a little depressed. Been like, fuck. What's my point? Like, I I was just very upset with myself. I was very depressed. I was having a hard time accepting that it's taking so long. But I got a little depressed about it the other day. I was feeling like it was taking me too long. That I. Was screwing up it wasn't going to be any good i don't know how to write a western blah 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 blah. all these and you know, all that those negative voices that inner voice but as i i looked at it, i thought about it i posted something on facebook about it which always helps i think giving voice to lots of our i don't know these negative things i think it helps to address it to say yeah this is here because I was even able to show my son later that night, I said, Hey man, just so you know, like this is kind of what I was going through this morning. I think it's important for you to know whether someone's an artist or athlete, doesn't matter what they are, they may have a lot of self-doubt. They may, you know, be struggling. You may hit points with whatever you're doing, whether he's making a Minecraft world or whatever else, if he has a little setback or if he feels gets discouraged, last thing I want him to do is just to quit. And so being able to say, Look, this is how i was feeling today i didn't want to do it but check out what i did I like man i got I, that day i think i finished like three chapters plus another five to six death scenes which was way more than i thought i could have done so by the end of the day i had done a bunch i was very happy with it i liked some of these dustings i thought they were pretty good and funny a couple of them but so by the end of the day it was awesome, even though I had all that negative stuff in the morning. So being able to share that with my son, I that was cool. But now on to the shitty thing. The My dad, who had his hip replaced not that long ago. So he's been working hard to rehab his hip. He's very active, incredible shape, 79 years old. He's the one who got me into doing yoga. He was doing handstands off my diving board a long time ago. And I was like, man, was like if he could do that, I'm like I wouldn't be able to do that. I still can't do it, but he definitely is very active. He rides his bike everywhere. He was doing all this stuff before his hip replacement, got his hip replaced, did all this rehab, and then got back on his bike. And on Monday morning, he had a really bad accident. It was dark. He hit a curb, went blind and knocked himself out and fractured his pelvis in four places. So that has been super painful for him. We found out he does not need surgery, which is awesome. He's also okay from the blow to his head, but that's also scary. So fortunately, he was wearing a helmet. One of the super cool things that happened, though, was, and I wanted to thank him. I haven't talked to the guy yet, Oscar Chavez. Thank you so much for what you did for my dad, you and your son. I don't know the exact details or where it was, but it was early in the morning. I believe it was near a gym. This man, Oscar, and his son were working out or just coming out from working out. They saw my dad crash. They ran over to him, checked to see if he was okay. They saw he was, well, he was unconscious and then they got him back to consciousness, um, asked some questions, helped him up. My dad could not walk at all with the fractured pelvis. They helped him up, they got him into one of their trucks. They took his bike and other car or vehicle and then took my dad to his house. And I was asked my dad, I was like, well, how'd you even get inside if you couldn't walk? And I guess they walked him up, they walked the bike in, and that was just awesome. And later that day, they found my dad's number somehow and called to check on him. So, Oscar, thank you so much. I think that is incredible. I wish there were more people like you going out of your way to do that. So, very, very cool. Hopefully, him and his son are readers because they can have free books for life. So, Oscar, if you and your son are readers and would like a copy of any one of my books, you guys Get that for life. So I thought that was super cool of you guys. I do appreciate my whole family, appreciates it. So thank you very much. Seeing my dad in the hospital has been, that was tough. That was hard. Harder than I thought it would be. Just seeing someone in pain sucks, you know. It brought up a lot of memories of seeing my grandparents in the hospital, seeing my grandmother dying, you know, that sort of stuff. My dad's not there. But just being in a hospital environment, thinking like, okay, is, if there's a Even think about like little problems, like what little problems could develop into. So it's always a little bit scary. But he's been handling it well. So has my mother, which is awesome. I don't think she'd ever been by herself, or maybe only like one or two nights from her whole life. And I offered to spend the night over there the other night. My dad was in hospital, but she said no. So she doing it herself. i was told she should be very proud of herself for that. And I think she is. So she's doing well. My dad will be fine. It just sucks. I could only imagine how depressing that has to be. I know how depressed I would be if I worked so hard to come off of an injury. And it is to have an even worse injury. So that's super hard. Knowing that he probably won't be. And because he's always so active, he likes to move. He likes to be outside and to be confined to a hospital bed for who knows how long. Pretty shitty. But He's handling it well, brought him some books to read today. Crossword puzzles, just got him his iPad. So he's got stuff to do. Another th- cool thing that happened. I asked him if he was okay with me sharing it on here, talking about it on here, and also putting it up on, I just put a post last night on Facebook and right away, lots of people responded to it, offering help. My buddy, Brian Escobell, he lives really close to them, offered to do anything that they needed. Same with my friend, Stacy, so just Seeing all that, that was super awesome. Do appreciate all of that. So just reminds me how many friends I have, my dad has, and how cool people are in caring. So I do, yeah, I'm, I'm in a good place. It was definitely, it's been a little bit of an emotional week. There was a, some other shit going on in my house. Um I've kind of been the, I try to be like the strong guy, the the guy that's cool for everybody. One of the things I really helped this week is, well, every week I'm doing yoga george and i were doing together we started this new pro- program called stacked but then this week i knew i wasn't gonna be able to do it with him so i just picked my own program i started this new one on inner dimensions called the complete practice the program and i almost didn't do it because it's all it's mainly women on on that one in the class but it's awesome the the classes are like 75 80 minutes but it incorporates like power yoga, uh, Yin yoga, restorative stuff. So it got a meditation, just very, very powerful. But all three days I did it. So brutal workouts, but also had these huge like emotional releases where, man, I I cried. So I I admit it. I admit that Sissy, I think I talked about that before. That happens every once in a while when yoga, but it hasn't happened. And it could be also because I'm high too. That's part of it, but that's a usual that's a that that's normal but i think it's just because i had all this stuff going on holding on to all this stuff all this fear and different emotions trying to be cool for everyone else and and then just having like a little not like bawling 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 but just getting a little teary-eyed and just being cool with it and realizing like okay yeah i am sad i am scared i am you know there's fear there's whatever, and being cool with those emotions and being able to talk to my family about it. So I tell my wife like, hey, this is what's going on. And today when I got home, I saw my daughter, so I said, hey, I could really use a hug like this. It was a, It was a hard day, it was a stressful day today. So that has been awesome. Another really cool thing too, that, well, not cool in a way, but I do like to share, I do like to share my shortcomings. It also just shows, yes, I'm human. Uh, but, and I try to be honest. I try to be honest with you. I try to be honest with my family. I try to be as honest as I can with other people because that's how I want to be treated. But this was, I was not happy with how I handled today. It was pretty stressful. It should didn't need to be, but uh, yeah, I just went to go get my mom and I was going to set up her iPad and figure out the test that she had to take. So the COVID test, so she could go visit my dad in the hospital and there was just a bunch of little problems and I was just letting myself get more and more frustrated. And then got to the hospital There's there were some problems. and more frustrated and just being very impatient with my mom. And so it was a little bit after I got home, after my daughter left, after I had the hugs, I was going to go just put on guitar and put it really loud and play some Metallica. Uh, that's what I've been practicing. I've been practicing battery, uh, having fun with that. But that was what I was going to do. And then I, I think about like, okay, why am I feeling like this? And I was like, because I was disappointed in myself. I was disappointed with the way that I treated my mother, especially when it's this time where she's under so much stress for, because of my dad. So I called her up and I apologized. I said, hey, this was not okay. How you know?" And she didn't want to hear it. She tried to stop me right away and tried giving me excuses for like, oh, I was fine. And yes, I'm under stress and blah, 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 blah. I was like, no, I was like, I was very impatient, you know, or or at least I felt impatient. And I was like, and you don't deserve that, and especially now. And, you know, and that's something that I get to go talk to Jake about tonight and, and live. It's like, you know, hey, this is how I was with grandma today. I don't like how I was. So I called her and I apologized. You know, and that's something like, shit, hopefully they'll remember that. And when 30 years from now, when the roles are reversed, they'll be doing the same thing and saying, sorry, dad, sorry, I'm such an asshole to you today but sorry, mom. She did appreciate that. Not me being impatient, (laughs) although she was cool with that too, but she really appreciated the phone call. So anyhow, that's the kind of stuff I've been dealing with today. I didn't get any writing done, but that's all right. I don't have to get writing done every day. If I don't reach my goal, whatever that was self-imposed deadline, just so to push me, which it did. And I'm still motivated and I still might reach that goal. But if I don't, That's okay because it's just going to be a couple days later. So, yeah, that's the nice thing about all this. Definitely could be overwhelming at times to have all these different projects, all these different friends, all these different things. But it's all good. I'm in a good place. I'll just keep doing my yoga. I will keep breathing. I'll keep doing all this other stuff. Oh, that's something I totally forgot with the yoga. So one of the days, there was one day I didn't do yoga. I, I went swimming. I did some other stuff instead. I was just too stressed out. The next day I did it kind of late instead of the early morning stuff, maybe like five in the afternoon or something like that. But it was a little bit after that and I was just in such a good mood. I was getting ready to go practice guitar, just pumped up, excited. I felt like so full of life. I felt grateful. It just I was like, holy shit, I was like, am, am I bipolar? Like I was terrible this morning. I think that's when all the depressing thoughts about uh, the Western were in my head. I was like, but right now, like, I just have all this energy. I'm so excited about everything. I was like, you dumb shit. I was like, you just got done doing all this yoga. This You just did an hour and 20 minutes of breathing and hearing all these excellent messages and moving your body. And I was like, that's why you feel good. I was like, that's why you need to do this all all the time. So the next few days, you know, I continued. I start at six in the morning now. So whether I'm working out with George or on my own, I realized, okay, I need to get that shit done early. Maybe some days I won't have time to do the full, you know, 80 minutes or whatever it is, but I can get in some and I just understand, okay, I do need this. I need something, whether, you know, if it wasn't yoga, I'm sure jiu-jitsu would give it to me because it's pretty similar, but I need something. I need some kind of exercise. And for me right now, that yoga is what is really helping me the most and inner dimensions that is the program i am using so if you guys are looking for a good yoga program they got all kinds of awesome stuff on there so can't say enough good things about them and it's not like i'm getting paid by them or anything like that it's just they have an awesome product i have no affiliation with them don't know them i just really like their product and think it is pretty amazing you should check it out well i think we're going to keep this kind of short because you have about 25 minutes to try not to die in the pandemic narrated by aj carter to listen to and i have quite a bit of stuff to do so i will try to work on the western i need to get to death fest there's a lot of cool stuff i get to do i get to do not that i have to do i get to do hopefully you guys are digging that remember there's only one more week of it and then yeah we'll figure some shit out after that all right guys thanks so much for listening hope you have an incredible week and i will talk to you later peace
0: Six rungs to go, and I shout at Amy. Next level! Go! She disappears, her feet pounding the landing. I throw myself through the opening and snatch up my legs, worried rooster's about to grab them. I lean over the opening and see he's only halfway, going slow while holding the spear. I'm glad Amy trusts me and has already headed up the ladder, but I don't want to crowd her and get stuck in the open. I whip out the meat hook consider dropping it at Rooster. If I was sure it would stop him, I'd throw it, but I can't leave us defenseless. I take a step back from the opening, but only one because I can't let him reach the landing. This isn't about a fair fight. This is survival. It sounds like he's only a rung or two away. I cock the meat hook over my shoulder and promise myself I'll close my eyes before it hits him. There's a loud twang and something whizzes by my head. I ignore it and focus on the opening. No sound comes from the ladder. Another sharp twang is followed by a thunk of a crossbow arrow lodging into the plastic siding a foot from my face. The shots come from below. I leap back and crouch down so I'm below the four-foot wall. Rooster pops out of the opening, gets to his feet, holding the jagged umbrella pole like a sword. The lower half of his pant leg is soaked in blood. But he's smiling, all of his focus on me. Screwed up, kid. I'm too much of a target and can't maneuver crouched down, so I stand. Pray the guy with the crossbow can't hit me from this range. Rooster fakes like he's stabbing left, then jerks the pole right, the end scraping a groove into my forearm. I yelp and spring back, but he's on me. He stabs again and I back into the railing, just a foot from the slide. The quick glance over the edge makes me woozy, the water too far away to jump into. Hey, Rooster! Amy shouts from above. Rooster looks and I seize the opening, swing the meat hook up and over my head. The metal reflects in Rooster's wide eyes right before the point penetrates the apex of his skull with a meaty THWACK. Rooster's face is expressionless. I push his chest and he topples backward, thuds down on the slide. Even though his eyes are half open, I can tell he's dead. There's always this certain look a person has when their spirit's left. I first noticed it at Grandma T's funeral a few years back. She looked the same, but she wasn't present. Same thing has happened to Rooster. He almost appears fake, like a puppet in a strange way. There's a small control panel to my right with two big buttons. One reads, water on, the other, water off. I heave Rooster's body so he's lying on the slide, then pull out the meat hook, releasing a red river. I hit the water on button, and the system gurgles and spits for a moment before salt water shoots out from jets, rimming the entrance to the slide. The water builds up alongside Rooster until there's enough to flush him out of my sight, along with all that red. In a few seconds, I hear the splash of his body hitting the pool below. But that's not all I hear. Someone else is heading up. I stay low, hang the bloody meat hook from my waistband and hurry up the ladder, my eyes on the opening above. Amy helps me onto the landing. What now? There's at least two of them down there. They can just pick us off. A quick peek over the side makes me feel a little sick. The red cloud blooming around Rooster doesn't help. Don't worry. Crossbows aren't going to hit us up here. I think we're safe. Amy checks the ladder. He's coming taking the slide's too dangerous without knowing their position. Besides, whoever's coming up probably has a gun. We have to keep climbing, I tell Amy. Look. I point toward the zip lines. Amy hurries past me and springs up the ladder toward an even smaller platform. I follow her as quickly as possible. The ladder shakes with every step, and I'm tempted to turn and face whoever's coming after us. At the halfway point, Amy looks down and yells, Dylan, hurry!" My guts tighten when I grab onto the ladder's side rails. My hands are already sweating by the fifth rung. I can't give in to it. Need to power through. Think logically. I'm high, but safe. This is all rock solid. I'm not going to fall unless I make myself fall. Ten rungs up and I stop to wipe my hands on my pants. If it's possible for me to sweat more, I'm sure I'd slip right down the ladder. Ten more rungs and I crest the topmost deck. We stand higher than almost any other point on the ship, other than the radar and antennas. The view is spectacular. San Francisco Bay stretches out a full 360 degrees. The Bay Ridge, Fisherman's Wharf, Alcatraz Island. It's stunning and shocking at the same time. I can't see any signs of life. No cars driving. No pedestrians. Not even any house lights. Up here, every little tilt of the ship is amplified. The Ari is rocking and rolling. It is not helping matters. Not one bit. Someone yells my name from below and breaks my momentary daze. It's Vulture. The biggest bad guy from the bunch. I can't see what's in his hand other than that it's shiny and pointed my way. Amy reaches through the opening and grabs hold of my shirt, helps me scramble onto the platform. Which is about the size of my dorm room. There are safety railings all around. Lots of belts bolted to them too. A zipline station at each corner faces the pool. I know I shouldn't glance down, but can't resist. The platform below seems so much smaller. My head goes woozy again, and I must sit. Dylan, what are you doing? Amy asks. I can't answer. Can't think. All my focus on not being sick. Amy's hand feels warm on my cheek. We can do this. Her voice calms me, empowers me. I nod even though a part of me doesn't believe her. My hands are blood-stained, my clothes splattered. My hearing is going fuzzy and my vision black. I don't even feel the cold. I just keep hearing the sound of the hook blasting through Rooster's brain. Amy crawls to the opening and comes right back. I need you, Dylan she says calmly. We've got to hurry. I take a deep breath and blow it out, feeling a little better. Amy helps me to my feet and takes me to the left zip line with a huge number one above it. It leads to a platform off the stern side railing, about a football field's length away. I've only done this once. I don't say it was in my friend's backyard about 10 feet up. She says, we don't have a choice. There are red harnesses attached to the zip line wire, handles above each one. So what do we do? Amy snatches the first harness off the ground and holds it open for me. Get in. A blast of freezing wind cuts through me and rocks the platform. Clomping steps are coming up the ladder. No way. I put myself between the opening and Amy. You first. She throws on a pair of gloves and hands me the others. "'Dylan, go,' she says. "'I can help you.'" "'Jesus Christ!' Vulture says. He pulls himself out of the opening, his face red, sweat rolling down his cheeks. "'Make up your damn mind.'" I keep my back to Amy, position myself between her and Vulture. The guy has to be close to 400 pounds, and it takes him a bit to get to his feet, his breathing heavy. He's got a knife sheathed on his left hip, his hand resting on the holstered gun to his right. Time to make a decision. To tell Amy to go on the number one zip line and I'll be right behind her, go to chapter 43. To have Amy take the number one zip line and I'll jump on number two, go to chapter 44. To talk Vulture down to stall for Amy's getaway, go to chapter 45. Vulture looks like a heavyweight boxer in the tenth round. A tired opponent is a weak opponent, mentally and physically. Amy says, Dylan? The only way to guarantee Amy's safety is to stall for time. I drop the gloves and pull out my meat hook. I got this. Go! Vulture smiles and unbuttons his holster. Ah, her hero. So brave. Yeah unlike you. There's about ten feet between us, metal rattling behind me as Amy gets in her gear. Her voice gets low and strong in a way I would not yet heard come out of her. Can't wait to tell the world what a bunch of sissies you are. He laughs. Dead man tells no tales. Wow, you really are scared of a kid half your size. I can tell I'm getting under his skin. He must have seen what I did to your buddies. Vulture buttons the holster and unsheaths his knife. Well, it's too bad you're not going to see what happens to your family. He points the knife at me. Your sister put up one heck of a fight. It's hard to breathe. Worse than if he had me in a bear hug. I pray he's joking. But I gave Crow my last name. He knows I have a sister. Tam. 335. My room number. You better not have heard her. He steps toward me. Or what? I sidestep to my left, hoping I'll draw him away from Amy who's sitting in the harness, her shoes on the edge of the platform. Vulture looks at me, then Amy, surprises me when he runs for her and slashes at her face. Amy ducks out of the way, but I can't get to Vulture in time to stop another attack. I smash the meat hook on the metal railing, the loud clank making Vulture spin to me. Amy grabs the handles and pushes off the platform, zips away. Vulture shakes his head.
1: Just delaying
0: the inevitable. Zip line number two is a few feet behind me, the harness on the ground, the handles up above. I consider grabbing hold of it and leaping, but that's scarier than the knife pointed at my face. Vulture lunges forward and slashes, but I dodge. He's not nearly as fast as the others. But I absolutely can't let him get close. This platform's so small he's got me trapped in this corner. I step away from the zip line opening so I don't tumble out, hold the meat hook like I want to bury it in him. He shows no sign of fear and lumbers forward. I take a step back and bump into the railing. This is it, he says. Say your prayers, kid. My eyes are glued on his chest. I'm ready to react. Vulture swings big with the knife, and I go to block with the meat hook. But it was a decoy, and he launches the real attack, his left arm coming at me like a giant club. I duck, but his fist catches me on the side of the head and knocks me to the floor. Everything black as the meat hook flies out of my hand. My vision's back but blurry. Vultures laugh all I hear. He's got his giant boot on my meat hook, and I can't pry it away from him. He kicks the hook over the edge waits for the splash with a smile. "'Not so tough now,' he says. I get to my hands and knees, but I'm still dizzy. This isn't how I'm supposed to die. Instead of going for the kill, Vulture leans down and gives me a playful poke, the tip of his knife in my shoulder creating red-hot pain. Vulture pokes again, but this time I'm ready and get both hands around his neck and pull him off balance. He trips and falls to his knees, has some not very nice things to say about me. I don't care, because I'm back on my feet in front of the zip line, the handles within reach. I crouch and pretend I'm playing second base and need to tag the runner out. Vulture's face is beet red, thinking all he needs is one more push. I say, Anyone ever tell you that you look like a deranged bull? No more talking. Vulture charges, each stomp shaking the platform. I pray I'm reading him right, that he's going to try knocking me off the platform instead of stabbing me. I go with my gut, relieved when Vulture lowers his shoulder for the collision. At the last second, I slip out of the way, grabbing the hanging handle of the zip line and pull. The harness shoots up from the floor. I have enough slack in the handle's wire to pull it to my far right, then ricochet it back and around Vulture's neck. What the- Vulture lets go of me, and his free hand shoots up to the makeshift noose. I tug as hard as I can on the handle, the line constricting around Vulture's throat. He grunts and reaches up for it. His eyes go wide. Go to hell! I yell and kick the monster with all I have, my foot sinking into his giant belly. He staggers backward from my kick, teeters on the edge of the platform. I ain't going Anywhere, He grunts, the words barely coming out. It's now or never. I kick him again, send him over the edge. He drops the knife and reaches up for his neck with both hands. The harness snaps against the back of my thighs. Vulture is sliding down the zip line, bringing the rest of the unit with it. I scurry and try to bring my legs and feet out and away, but it's too late. I'm tangled. Vulture is sliding away and the harness goes with it knocking me off my feet. Before I go over the edge, I grab the side rails. The weight pulling me is so great, I can't keep holding on. The harness is just a couple of crisscross straps, and with no obvious handle, I'm forced to hold onto the side so I have a chance to be upright instead of hanging upside down. We're picking up speed, and I'm twisting and turning. It's so high up, the pool so far below. Even with the water to break my fall, I'd shoot right down and splatter on the bottom. Something smacks me in the head, nearly knocks me out of the harness. Vulture's legs keep flailing, his boots so close. He keeps kicking as his orbs bulge out of his skull, one hand trying to free himself from the noose, the other pulling on the other handle. Another kick comes close, but I dodge out of the way, the shift causing pressure around Vulture's neck. To test it. I jump my body up and let it fall down as hard as I can. Vulture jerks, the noose tightening from my movements. I jump up again and again. We're halfway to the landing platform and Vulture's no longer kicking, just making all sorts of wretched sounds. This guy tried to kill me, and will again if he's free. I jump up and down in the harness even harder, pray it doesn't break off. We're nearly to the end of the pool. My actions cause the harness to stop moving. Vulture gurgles like the disgusting pot of boiling seafood soup Grandma Collins used to make. His eyes roll back before shutting. I'm not convinced he's dead, so I jump up and down a few more times. The rope disappears into Vulture's neck, vanishing inside his skin. His arms go limp. I jump again. His head drops forward a bit, then drops even more. His head rolls all the way forward, separates from his body. Both pieces fall as a fountain of blood explodes in front of me. The lack of a counterweight shoots me and the harness backward a dozen feet, away from the shower of blood. The harness stops for a moment before resuming its slide toward the other side of the aria, picking up crazy speed. The platform is coming up quick, no one to catch me or slow me down, just a huge blue pad wrapped around the pole. The handles are too far for me to grab, and even if I could get a hold of the wire, it'd slice right through my skin. I've got to brace for impact and take it. I'm nearly to the platform, holding my breath. I tuck into a ball and slam into the padding. All the air knocked out of me. I roll onto my back, happy I'm alive but scared to check if anything's broken. Dylan! Amy screams from down below. Dylan! Without Vulture attached to the handles, I make quick work untangling myself. I use the railing to stand, my ribs feeling like they got hit with a bat. Amy's one deck below and pointing to the double doors that head toward the back of the ship. The ladder to get down to her is at the corner, but I don't want to climb any closer to danger. And there's a hallway up here that heads the same way she's pointing. Time to make a decision. To take the ladder down to meet Amy... Go to chapter 46. To wave Amy up and hurry across the walkway, go to chapter 47. Everything hurts and I need more time. I also don't think it's a good idea to go lower without a weapon, so I wave Amy up. Let's go this way. Amy doesn't hesitate, bolts up the staircase and runs right for me, swallows me in a massive hug. Neither one of us says a word. Just soak each other up for a few seconds. Amy steps back and sees the streak of blood across my hand. Oh my god, you're bleeding. The cut doesn't feel bad, not worth worrying about. They caught my family. You don't know for sure. I look over the edge. Where are they? Amy joins me, leans to the left for a better view. I don't see them. There were two of them? I ask. Yeah. Redhead and the crossbow guy, she says. That's good. It means... Oh, man. Vulture's body's a big blob of black on red outside the tiki bar. Somehow, his head landed stem down on a table and looks like a centerpiece of cherry jello that's been left out in the sun. Ugh, Amy says. She grabs my hand and takes me down to the hallway. You don't need to look at that. Where are we headed? I ask. We'll go down to the next staircase and circle back, make our way to my cabin. I stop at the corner, check to make sure no one's coming. What about my family? What if he's telling the truth? If they have them, what can we do? Amy shivers, holds out her empty hands. We don't even have a weapon. Alright, let's do it. Amy takes my hand and leads the way. What were you saying was good? What? about the guys. There's an intersection coming up. Amy slows us and peeks around the corner, keeps us going straight. Only being two of them? The redhead. He was working the computers. They might not have eyes on us anymore. Well, let's not count on it, she says, sounding disappointed it wasn't better news. Everything's quiet on this part of the ship. A staircase straight ahead. We make it down with no trouble. I whisper, Oh, I know where we're at. She nods as she checks every direction. Back of the boat. Sports and Wreck's down there. Yep, but we're headed this way. I don't argue and follow her lead. The Sports and Wreck probably has a good selection of weapons and great places to hide, but it's in the stern of the ship and could turn into a dead end. Around the next corner at the end of the hallway, we see the door with a glass window that opens to the pool area. Come on, Amy whispers. We're about halfway to the door when screams coming from the pool area freeze us. The pool door slams open and bounces off the wall, the little window shattering. The guy who threw the door open gets hit by the rebounding door and falls to the floor, scrambles back to his feet. Amy squeezes my hand hard enough to hurt. What do we do? The guy cuts left down the hallway between us, just as the door slams open again. Two young women running through fast as they can. The blonde leading the way sees us and yells, RUN! We spin around and sprint back the way we came. Gunshots coming from behind. BAM! 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 Before we round the corner, I glance back. See a man in the Aria, white and blue, throw open the door. He makes it two steps before a gunshot rings out and he's flung face first to the ground. We reach the original staircase and Amy starts climbing. I say, we can't just keep running. We need weapons. I don't know what to do, she says, her face full of fear, tears pouring down both cheeks. I take her hand and get us jogging. Don't stop until I spot the sign across the hall. Sports and recreation. There's gotta be something good in here. The door is unlocked and we go right in. The reception area directly across from us is deserted. Amy checks the door and says, We need to prop something behind this. Get the right thing and they won't be able to get in. I head for the main desk, which has a large sign taped across it stating people are not allowed to congregate. Maybe over here. Amy follows me, but I only see a useless phone and computer. She grabs the wooden chair and says, Could work. There's nothing of use in the drawers unless we want to staple someone to death. To the right of the desk, two large doors lead into the sports areas. To my left, the hallway curves and leads toward the pool in the middle of the aria. Amy shakes the chair she's wedged beneath the door handle. I think this will hold. Good. I start for the entrance to the main area. Ready? Yeah, let's do it. Someone's shouting outside. A man. Scared. He's calling for help and getting closer. Amy shakes her head at me. Don't go. I'm sorry, I say as I dash for the door, move the chair out of the way. Dylan! Amy says. Stop! I peek out the door and see the muscle head from this morning booking it down the hall, Phoenix's red hair flashing about twenty yards behind him. Blam! A bullet strikes the wall to the left of the door. The man being chased locks his wide eyes on mine and shouts, Open it! Time to make a decision. To block the door, go to chapter 48. To let him in and lock the door, go to chapter 49. To grab Amy and run out the side door and head toward the pool, go to chapter 50.